you have your Bibles, I will not try to linger long tonight, but I do want to begin something that perhaps will go on for a service or two, a Sunday evening or two, uh, but a, a portion of Scripture and some thoughts that have been uh, very much close to my heart over the last few days and weeks. Ephesians chapter 5. The Word said, Be you therefore followers of God as dear children. The original is more precise. It says, Be you therefore imitators of God as Dear children, walk in love as Christ hath also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints." Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, and of, and of, of Christ, and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for... Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness. For you were sometimes darkness. For you were at one time in darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. Amen. I like that verse, and I want you to focus your mind on that verse right now. At one time, your life could be defined by that one word, darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. And because of that, he said, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth, not, doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, Thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, walk wisely, walk cautiously, walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And everyone said, Amen. I want to talk to you tonight for a while about walking as children of light. And you may be seated. I cannot tell you exactly when this particular thought began to form itself in my mind. But I can 
tell you that it was at a funeral. Funerals are funny things. They're awkward at times because as a minister, I am often called upon to conduct and to uh, speak at the memorial services of people that are a part of our church and some that are just connected to our church. I've been called upon even by funeral homes to uh, speak at funerals that I don't even know anything about anybody. And uh, it is oftentimes an awkward ordeal. And what I've discovered about funerals is that most people want to live however they want to live. And then when it comes to the end, they want a preacher to remember things that they didn't do. You are called upon to remember more than was there. And it becomes awkward. When you're trying to figure out between Hank Williams Jr. and Willie Nelson and riding the back roads with a bud in your hand, how you're going to make this turn out to sound appropriate, I got to thinking, Lord, what do I want people to say about me at my funeral? I would certainly hope that if the Lord were to take me, that it would not be an awkward situation for a preacher to stand before you and declare something about me. I would hope that he would not have to stand up here and lie about things and talk about fictional and fictitional things because he could not come up with enough good information or material to speak about my life. And so what do I want my life to embody? And what do I want to look like at that moment? That is a very important question that all of us need to ask ourselves because none of us know when our day is going to come. I have held funerals here at this church over the last couple of years for teenagers as well as elders. And so there is no time clock on death. But what do I want to look like at that moment? I certainly don't want a preacher to have to stumble around to find something good to say. I want to live my life in such a way that there is a clear sound. And there is a clear signal that is sent by my life of who I am and what I am. The answer to that dilemma of what will people say at your funeral is now to figure out what you want to be right now. And this is very important. Listen to me very carefully. It is always a mistake to decide what you want to do before you decide who you want to be. I want to say that again. It is always a mistake to decide what you want to do before you decide who you want to be. We need to settle some things in our mind and in our life as to who we are going to be. 
We need to make up in our mind tonight that there will be no question. There will be no doubt in anyone's mind that was a child of God. That was a child of light. That person, there is no question about their life. Now, most of us feel like that our day is much more evil and wicked than any other day. And when we look, look around, it, it, is, it is obviously a wicked hour. When our own vice president will stand up and say that he is comfortable with, uh, with uh, same-sex marriages and, and then it is being spun off of the political uh, talk as, as becoming part of the foundation of, of, the, uh, of the next administration is a possible push for the, the acceptance and not only the acceptance but the passing of uh, some kind of legislation that will, that will permit men to marry men and women to marry women and everybody enjoy the same kind of benefits. Now, we can say that we live in a wicked hour when men do not blush at sin and nothing is taboo any longer. As a matter of fact, you will not hear most places in this city today any preacher dare to touch the subject that I'm going to try to touch tonight. And it's because we live in a world where we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. And we don't want to offend anybody. So we just open the door and we let down the standard and we say it doesn't matter. When the truth is, it does matter. You are either a child of light or you are not. You are either a child of light or you are a child of darkness. No in between and we need to settle in our mind who who we're going to be we, we got to settle in our mind who we are going to represent and you and I live it is wicked there there is every kind of vice uh, you know we used to be afraid of television that that was the medium where all kinds of bad things were going to happen and now television is just, it's almost like kindergarten stuff compared to what any child, any person can access on the Internet. There are more pornographic sites available on the Internet than there are any other kind of sites of any other kind of information on the Internet. And so it's there. It's available everywhere you go, every place you walk into. Everything that is being done is being done to encourage a looser lifestyle and a lower standard of living. And we think that nothing could be worse than our day. But let me remind you that when Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians, he wrote to a church that lived in a society that was as wicked, if not more so, than our society right now. He lived in a time, and Ephesus was a place where there was no shame to sin. As a matter of fact, they didn't even want to label anything as sin because in their culture, if it felt good, do it. And if it was something that somebody else was doing it, then you do it because everybody else was doing it. Morality was, was not even a word that was used in that culture. As a matter of fact, there were prostitutes 
that made their living at their temples or at their place of worship. And the money that came from the proceeds that these prostitutes earned built a temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love and sex. And all of that was going on in the background while the Lord Jesus Christ was birthing a church, a born-again people that were washed in the blood, sanctified by His Spirit, called by His name, and called to be light. Amen. And so it was stark. It was different. And into that world came the revolutionary teaching of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that came was morality. There came with the, the, the visitation of the Spirit of God a change in the concept of what is right and wrong. And there was a change that was wrought in the principles of life and conduct. And they, and so Paul, in writing to these people that are living in that kind of culture. Now we don't have, uh, legalized prostitution yet. And we don't have legalized homosexuality and gay marriages yet. But it's coming. But it was legal back then. Nothing was looked down upon. You could come to what they considered church, have some kind of illicit immoral affair, and then go on and act like you had worshipped some kind of God. That was the world in which he birthed the church. So yes, we live in a wicked hour, but I'm here to tell you that there are other people that have lived in time that were just as bad, if not worse. And Paul said, I want to remind you of who you are. He said, you are to be an imitator of God. You need to make sure you know who you're trying to impersonate. And if there is any sound that needs to come from this pulpit tonight, it is a clear sound of knowing who we are and what we are and living and acting and presenting ourselves in such a manner to walk as children of light. And so he begins with an appeal to be an imitator of God. Paul set before them the highest standard that could be set. He tells us to be like God. Mimic Him. That's where the word comes from. Mind. Be one who tries to do what He would do or what He did. Paul used a language that resonated in the Greek culture because they were, they, they were into this impersonation. They were into all of the training that was necessary to become a, a, an impersonator. It was very popular in Greek culture to study rhetoric or oratory. And part of the process of studying that was to teach them how to imitate the great men and the great minds of previous time. And so part of their study was to teach them theory or to teach them how to study and how to memorize and how to learn the information. And then the second principle they taught them was imitation. You've got to learn how to use your words. You've got to learn how to use the inflection of your voice. And then the third thing was they taught them to practice 
practice, practice, practice. And so Paul took an analogy that was common in Greek culture and he turned it around to the church. And he said, if you want to be what God called you to be, you need to first of all study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed. And then you need to learn how to imitate what you are preaching. And you need to practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Imitate Him. Imitate His love. Imitate His forgiveness. Walk in that love and live in that light. Train your life so that your life will be worth remembering. And since you and I are training for life, we should be imitating the Lord of life and nothing less. And somebody said, Amen. In the writing of the fifth chapter, Paul made it clear that we should never jest about sin or we should never joke about sin that sin is not a joking matter sin is not something to make part of the revelry of your life Paul said that it is shameful there are sins that are committed among some people he said it is a shame and it should never be named among you. Listen to me tonight, church. There are some things that may be acceptable outside this building that the world may do with impunity, but there are things that should never be named inside this building. And as a child of God and as a child of light, we should never allow those things to become a part of our conversation. Paul said there are some things that are never safe to talk about. They are forbidden and they are ugly and they need to remain there in that world. And somebody said amen. He went on to tell them to not be swayed by empty words. And by that he was referring to a teaching of that time that was known as Gnosticism. Gnosticists believed that a man was made up of two parts. He was made of body and he was made of spirit. The only thing that mattered was his spirit. The inner man, the hidden man. The outer man didn't matter. So that meant that you could do anything you wanted to do with the outer man, but it never affected the inner man. And so that kind of teaching began to creep into the church and they began to teach their people and teach those that were in the church that you don't have to do this outward stuff. You don't have to worry about all of that. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. Don't worry. You can do anything you want to with your body. You can sin. You can lie. You can curse. You can steal. You can murder. You can rape. You can do whatever you want to do. And as long as you understand that your spirit is where it's at, you can do all of that with your, your, your body. 
And so it, it started creeping into the church. And there were those that began to sway people that said, you know what? These standards, they, that, 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 all that is is legalism. All these standards, all that's is, that's just a burden. That's just somebody's man-made idea. Listen to me tonight. It has nothing to do with the man. It has everything to do with the God of light. And God said, you are a child of light and you need to act like it. You need to dress like it. You need to talk like it. You need to live like it. And somebody said, Amen. We live in an hour when the lines are blurred. And we live in a time where very much the same thing is happening. People think they can separate their body and spirit. They can dress ungodly. They can act ungodly. They can live ungodly. They can be immoral. And then they can come back into the church And they can act like their spirit is all right. And Paul said, don't get caught up in that empty thinking. Don't allow the world to fill your mind with such garbage. Somebody said, amen. Paul said, we are children of light. And so we should walk as children of light. As children of light, there are some things that should not be named among us. There are some things that should not be done among us. There are some things that must not be a part of our lives. There must be a distinction. I have been stirred lately. I, I love to read the book of Genesis. And I, the reason that I love Genesis is because it is the book of beginnings. And it is also the book of first things. And what you find in Genesis many times is a principle that carries on throughout the Word of God. And you can find the seed of it and the root of it in the book of Genesis. And what has stirred me lately is that Genesis 1 and 1 begins with the simple declaration that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it digresses and it tells about a time of chaos and darkness. He said darkness was upon the face of the deep. And there was chaos. And most Bible historians call that period of time chaos. There was no light. It was just darkness and upheaval and turmoil. I don't know how to describe it in the way so that you could glimpse that. But when God began the act of creation, when God began the process of putting together an orderly world on day number one, the first thing that God addressed was darkness. The first thing that God began to speak to was the darkness. And the Bible said that on that first day, God said, let there be light. Listen to me. Before there was even a sun to shine, before there was ever a star to twinkle in the heavens, God said, let there be light. And he looked at that light and he saw that it was good. And the next verse said, and he separated the day from the night. He separated the light from the darkness and he established a principle. A principle that you and I need to keep in the middle of our mind and our heart. The things that 
God separates, we should never try to merge and bring back together. And God separated darkness. And God separated that for a reason. So that we would know that is not what my plan is. My plan is to be a God of light and a God of purpose. And so God wanted you and I to know the difference. And so He called the light and the darkness to separate. And He separated them for a reason. He separated so, so we would know not to ever confuse them in time to come. And yet we live in a time where that is happening. We live in an hour where men are confusing light and darkness. We are living in an hour where there is the blurring of the lines. Where there is no black and white, but only a dull gray. The lines of life have been blurred. And we live in such a time where there is a confusing of the two. So much so that we now live in a day where evil is called good and good is called evil. And I have come tonight to remind this church that we are children of light. We are not children of darkness and we are not going to manifest that spirit. We are going to manifest the qualities and the characteristics of the light that God has shown into all of our lives and that will be reflected in the way that we live amen we live in an hour when men have merged the two life has become such a mixture of things that we often find it difficult to tell what is right and wrong he is seeking to bring the whole world into light and so he begins the act of creation by separating, separating the day and the night. When I began to study this, I, I found something interesting. That when he separated them, he gave the one name to one. He gave to light the name day and he gave to darkness the name night. The interesting part about that is that the word night in the Hebrew means to twist away or be divisive. So he did, he, he made a distinction that there is in this world such a thing as deviation and there is such a thing as a turning away. That is night. That is darkness. And that is what you are not. That is what you are not. You must remember who you are. You are a child of light. And we need to identify ourselves like that. And the more we do, the more the glory of God is going to shine. And listen to me, church. What God calls darkness, we need to call darkness. We don't need to call it by any other name. We don't need to call it an appetite. We don't need to call it a weakness. We don't need to call it an excuse. We don't need to call it anything but what it is. It is darkness. And we should have no part in darkness. The character of each is taught by their name. The word day means movement. Movement, growth. 
expansion, enlargement. Darkness means twisting away or deviation. It's turning from the right or the straight path to another crooked path. And God's first act of creation was to divide light and darkness and to teach man that there is a difference and you need to know the difference. Listen to me, church. Listen to me well right now. We better get back in this book and rediscover the difference between light and darkness. Because there's a lot of things that we are letting come into our life that are not light. They are not light. They may not be total darkness, but they have that tinge of darkness to them. We need to go back and discover what it is that God calls sin and make sure that in our mind and our heart we do not identify ourselves with that. And what God separates, we need to keep separated. Amen. We don't need to try to figure out a way to mix them back together and say, well, you know, God, it really, that, that really shouldn't be that important. It really shouldn't matter what I look like. It shouldn't matter how I dress. It, it shouldn't matter what, if I wear clothes that were becoming a woman or clothes that are becoming a man. Let me ask you a question tonight. You know, the Bible does say that it is a shame for a woman to wear that which pertaineth to a man. My question tonight is this. What does the word pertain mean? That which you say, well, you know, they make that for women as well as men. I don't care what they make. What I want to know is what does that word pertain mean? Because that's the hinge on which the door swings. And God said, I want there to be a distinction. I want to know who the women are. And I want to know who the men are. I want you to know who the men are. And I know you, I want you to know who the women are. And so God said, there's going to be a distinction. And there has always been in every culture a distinction until now. And back in the 60s, when some of you were in your heyday, there began a movement called the unisex movement. Back then it was revolutionary. You know where it started? It started in barber shops. The first place that unisex, that word was used, was on a barber shop. It made it available for women and men to come. And it was a place that usually only men would go. And then it went into the the, the, the markets and the chains and, and then all of the name brands begin to pick it up. And so we begin this blending of the genders where you, could, you, you, you can't tell the difference. And then during that time, men started letting their hair grow down their back like a, a ponytail and, and looking like everything but what a man ought to look like. A distinction there and so all of a sudden there is this blurring of the lines and we've, we've mutated from that to this time right now where there is such a, a such a blurring of those lines that for me to even say some of the things I'm saying some of you are looking at me like brother Hughes you don't really believe that do you you better believe I believe that and it would do some of you good to get back to believing the same thing because there is a distinction. 
There is a line. And God, the first thing he did was separate light and darkness. He said, I want to tell you what I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on light. And I don't want you to be confused. Light. Everybody say light. He never one time ever referenced his children as children of darkness. Always a child of light. A child of light. A child of light. And so now we live in a world where there has been such a blending and it's been so slow and gradual and it's happened with such ease. I mean, you can go get colognes now that work for men or women. You can go buy clothes now that a man or a woman can wear. It doesn't make any difference who you are. You just, and more and more, the, 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 the species has moved toward this blending, this gray, this, this whatever it is. And I'm going to stand just like the Apostle Paul said. I, I may not be as wise as he was, and I may not be as, as, as talented or as, as fluent in my words, but I'm going to remind this church of who we are. We are children of light, and it should be reflected in the way we talk. It should be reflected in the way we act. It should be reflected in the things that we talk about. It should be reflected in the things we put on Facebook. It should be reflected in the way we dress, in the way we conduct ourselves. You don't come in here and dress one way and then go home and dress another way. But wherever you are, you make a consistent testimony. I am a child of light and I belong to God and I am not ashamed of what God has done in my life. Everybody say it with me. I am a child of light. I want to live like that child of light. God called it darkness. And don't ever be guilty of calling it anything else but that. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't make an excuse for it. If it's sin, call it sin and repent of it. But don't try to justify, make some kind of excuse for why you want to do something or live a certain way. I want to be known as a child of light. A child of light. And listen to me, folks. The darker it gets out there, the more you're going to stand out. Just get used to it. You ought to be... I don't want to say proud of it, but you ought to be honored that you would be called to bear light in such a dark time. Because believe it or not, as many as there are around you that you think don't care, there's somebody out there that's tired of darkness. Amen. Now, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I know none of us could live with an eternal day in this mortal body, and that's why God's going to have to give us an immortal body so we can live in an eternal day because that's what eternity's going to be. Sun's going to shine forever. Never going to be night there. So, But we can't do that. But you and I both know we would much rather live in the day than the night. How dreadful it would be to have to learn how to live in darkness all the time. I could not live in Alaska, wherever that place is, where the sun doesn't shine for six months at a time. I'd go stark raving mad. 
And there's people outside here that are looking for light. They're looking for light because they're tired of the darkness. Let's make sure that they can see a light in this hour. Let's make sure that when they're looking, they can see a light. Amen. And you know what? As much as our world denies it, you cannot be a child of light on the inside and it not show up on the outside. Amen. Amen. Be who God called you to be, a child of light. Because there are people that are looking and they're wondering, is there any light left in this world? Amen. They're tired of the nights, the binges, the drinking, the, the parting. You know, all of that comes to an end. At some point, you, you, you lay down and you have to put your head to rest. And when you do, all of those things start coming back. And none of it fulfills. None of it satisfies. Illicit relationships going from one person to the next. Somebody's out there right now saying, I wonder if there's any light left in the world. I wonder if there's any light. There may be somebody on your, in your neighborhood or on your street right now that's, that's crying out in the darkness of their own home saying, I wonder if there's any light left in this world. Come on, church. Let's stand up and shine. Let's stand up and shine. Quit being ashamed if you're ashamed. Let God fill you. Make up your mind who you're going to be. And let's be that child of light God's called us to be. Let's stand together.